This week's episode of the Berman Hour podcast is sponsored by New Wave Flow State Coffee. Coffee for creativity. Go to newwave.co slash Berman and save 10% on your order. N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N. Here's the deal. You buy coffee from New Wave. You get great coffee. They get your money. And they kick back some of that money to us here at the Berman Hour podcast to help cover some production costs. Win, win, win. Newwave.co slash Berman. Let's get it. Welcome to the Berman Hour Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Jeff Berman, and I'm doing this right now next to a sleeping baby. Thaddeus Berman is sleeping not too far from me, so I gotta be quiet. But seriously, my podcast this week is very good. This is a great episode. Sam Johnson, hell of a singer-songwriter. You might know him from the band Choke Up, but you won't anymore. Because his new record is so good that you're going to know him as Sam Johnson, the singer-songwriter. Along the Dark Edges of Everything is the title of his new record. And you're going to love it, trust me. Just like you're going to love this here interview. A couple of other things I want to mention. And I got to whisper it. Big Divided Heaven news coming very, very soon. In case you missed it. I announced that the next Divided Heaven record, the fourth Divided Heaven album, is going to be released in Europe on Gunner Records and in North America by AF Records. I am so happy about both of those labels and being on both of those labels. It's going to be tremendous. But first single is dropping very soon, sooner than you think, so be fucking ready. And number two, I've been doing another podcast for the last 10 weeks called All the Heels. This is a podcast that is entirely devoted to the Stars Network television drama series, Heels, which is about professional wrestling, a wrestling family, a small independent promotion. And we break down the episodes. It's been a lot of fun. We interviewed Stephen Amell. Yeah, fucking Stephen Amell reached out to us, made fun of me on Twitter. I had to bring some heat. Anyway, if that's your bag, give it a listen. You might like it at All the Heels podcast. And that's pretty much it. Enjoy my conversation with Sam Johnson. Let's get it. So what's in the water in Massachusetts now? What's in the North Shore water that everybody's putting on fantastic Dude, records? Right? That 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 Kittner record, I um, I play in a band called Choke Up with James, who plays guitar in in Kittner. Studio time kind of overlapped, and so you know we would share tracks with each other. We shared like the unfinished albums with each other. I I was so honored to like be able to hear this album before like it, it got out into the world. But man, I love it so much. I I, I think it's really special. 
So as opposed to it being in Los Angeles, California in 1988, where, you know, John Bon Jovi and Sebastian Bach cross paths <laughs> as they're recording New Jersey and uh, self-titled record, respectively, we're in uh, Dover, New Hampshire, when Kittner and, and Sam are, are crossing paths. So do you guys record it at the same studio? Yes. Yeah. We recorded the same studio, same engineer. You know, I, I, I would probably go in one weekend. They'd go the next. <laughs> I, I, I started, I started tracking mine before, before they did. Um, but, uh, it, mine took so long that like, I think we actually did overlap at points. <laughs> yeah. I have to ask, you know, did it take so long because of the pandemic or where were you in the process of doing this record? in March of 2020. So March of 2020, I was, um, finishing up masters, um, for this, for this record beginning of 2020, the, the plan was kind of like to, you know, the, the record's going to be done soon. We're going to start shopping it around, see if anyone's interested. And then of course COVID hit and, and the world changed. And, you know, for, for a long time, like it felt, it felt weird approaching people about like new music or, you know, you know, trying to get people interested sure. in this, in, in this, in this project when like, there are so many more important things going on yeah. at the time. Trust me, dude, I've been there. People are dying. Yo, I'm a white boy with an acoustic guitar. You got to hear this song. Dude, exactly. Like, no, exactly. 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 Yeah. That's, that's totally, that's totally where I was. Um, Do you think it's a blessing and, or a curse that you had everything done before such a pivotal moment in history? Oh my goodness. I feel like it's probably a good thing, at least for me. Uh, I know that so many great pieces of art have, have come out of this um, really chaotic and, and um, grief-filled moment in time. I think for me, knowing myself, knowing my songwriting process, it might have been like maybe a little bit too influenced. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> I'm glad that things were, I'm glad that things were wrapped up when they were. We just kind of let it sit for a little bit because we didn't really we didn't really feel comfortable like pushing it. You know, yeah. at the start of the pandemic. When you say we, who is we? Are you pulling yeah, a Lebowski yeah. on me? Is this the royal, the editorial? I, 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 I realized that I was, as I was saying it, um, I keep saying we. I basically mean myself and, uh, and my buddy Harley Cox. Harley is the drummer in my band Choke Up. Um, and he is also the pretty much the main reason why um, – this album has seen the light of day. You know, in Choke Up, I always referred to him as the band dad um, because he took care of things. You know, he took care of us. Um, he took care of logistics. He was the one who, you know, set up shows. He, he was usually the one who set up recording time, um, you know, dealt with merch, all of that stuff. You're also implicating all of your other choke up bandmates as being lazy, insufficient assholes. You know? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to do that by any means. Um, My words, not <laughs> yours. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, I, I think everyone in the band would agree that like, if there's an MVP, it's Harley. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, 
so once I had this solo record finished, you know, my favorite thing about music is, is, um, you know, is crafting the songs and it's getting into the studio and immortalizing them <laughs> and past that, you know, everything beyond that has kind of been a challenge for me, getting the motivation to like put myself out there and like make those sorts of moves. And, and so once, once the record was finished, Harley stepped in and he was like, okay, I feel like, you know, these songs deserve to be heard by people outside of, you know, the circle of friends who, who have this, um, you know, the link to your Dropbox folder. Right. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, he, he picked it up, he showed it to some folks and he ultimately decided that, that, that he wanted to release the album himself. And so he kind of resurrected this, um, this defunct record label that was started by a, a trio of friends, one of which was him. Is that what we talk about records? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's it. Yeah. He got the, the record pressed. Um, he reached out to a couple folks to help us with some, uh, some music videos. Um, he connected me with, uh, Kevin part-time PR. So Harley's your manager, essentially. He's your manager, he, your label. He's everything. Guru. Man. Yeah. That's, that's pretty he's cool. Everything. He's my sounding board. Yeah, no, he, he does it all. Um, he, uh, he played a crucial part in like just about every aspect of, of, of this, of this album. Sure. I just um, was talking so, to a friend of mine recently about this idea, the dangers of a solo project. Mm -hmm. And he, he said that he read it in a book at one point, it was beware of the solo project because it can be, you know, like distractions or procrastinations can appear to you cloaked as a side project or close cloaked as something really attractive <laughs> that they're not what they are, but in reality, they're very dangerous and they keep you from it. Now you're the second artist. Like I said, we mentioned Kittner earlier who yes. has a member of the band choke up mm -hmm. this record that you're doing seems to be more aligned with where you are as Sam yeah. in 2021 than Choke sure. Up does. So that leads me to add, what is the future for Choke Up at this point? That's a great question. I Well, that's why you're on the Berman Hour podcast, maybe. <laughs> the best questions in the biz. Um, Forget so... that Sal asshole. This is the best questions <laughs> in the biz right here. There you go. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I, I, we need, to, I need that soundbite right there. I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I, I almost forgot the question. Choke up. We, you know, we are friends before we are bandmates. The being in the band, um, gives us the opportunity to get together and just hang out with each other when normally we, we might not. You know, sure. um, being being in the band, we get to meet up uh, routinely, and uh, yeah, we all we all love each other. So, I think we're gonna keep at it for for a while longer. I guess what I'm asking is, it taking a backseat to you doing a solo career? I think it's taken a backseat, not necessarily to to you know me doing solo stuff. It was just kind of like an organic thing in, in 29, the end of 2019, we, um, 
a few 10-year anniversary shows. That kind of felt like the end of an era for us. Not not at all the end of the band, but like, you know, I think we all kind of agreed that, you know, we would maybe take a little bit of time, you know, work on new songs, um, still get together, but maybe like hunker down for a bit, stay out of the spotlight. Um, so, so I think that was kind of where we all were at the end of 2019. And then of course, 2020 sure came around sure. and, um, well, I give you an A plus for answering that very diplomatically. You obviously <laughs> care for your joke of bandmates very, very much. But let's let's talk about you. Let's talk about sure. Sam. My first question for you is, uh, why do you have two Instagram accounts? Why do people do this? I don't understand this. Hit oh, I'm kicking, uh, dude, I'm 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 kicking myself for it. I don't know. I <laughs> I thought you know I thought that I would make one private and and. Uh, you, you know, this is post- like the, mil- the millennial question. Yeah, of millennium. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't but, know what I was thinking. I don't. I'm, I don't I'm not why. judging you either. I'm not judging. The reason I ask is is I think everybody everybody who doesn't have somebody doing it for them has mm-hmm. a slightly different uh, rationale or idea of of what they're trying to accomplish with their social media presence. Yes. Because everybody lands somewhere different on it. We're all kind of flailing all the same. And so <laughs> I, I was like, word. is Sam onto something that I don't know about? You know? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Not in the slightest. No, I, I think I think my initial thinking was like, okay, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have this one account devoted to the solo music. Um sure. I kind of expected to kind of like spam that account <laughs> just over and over with like, you know, updates about the record and whatnot. And I was kind of thinking that I would keep the other account private where I would just, you know, share photos of my my daughter, whatever. But I kept them both public. And uh, <laughs> there's there's like even some overlap. Like I post stuff about the record on my personal account. I post yeah. stuff about my daughter on on the, the music account. So it's like it's a whole big mess. And thinking back, I'm like, I, I, sh- I, I should have just gone with one. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you say that. I decided pretty early on because my son was born in June. And I was oh, like, June. yeah, I looked at him and you know, once I like had come down from the high of the whole moment of everything, yeah. I, I thought to myself, I'm going to use this little shit to sell <laughs> as many records as I possibly fucking can. <laughs> I, I didn't say it out loud until this very moment, but I can, I can, I can guarantee you that within the next few days, I will post a photo of my daughter holding my record. Yeah, you have to. In, you have to. In, in an effort to sell more records. <laughs> well, speaking of your daughter and becoming a dad. Yeah. I, I think that your your daughter's uh, uh, older than my four-month-old. But I'm kind of curious, like, mm. cut back to the first question I asked, like, you know, where were you by the time COVID hit? Where were you mm. with this record by the time COVID hit? Where were you with this project and with this collection of songs by the time your daughter was born? These songs were all completely done by the time... She was born again. I got. I got to follow up with the same thing. 
Yes. Is that a yes. blessing or a curse? So this time I uh, this time I think it goes the other way. I I would have loved to have some of those songs on this record. You, you know, mean new, I, so- new songs that you've written since then? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, what I mean to say is like, like right before my daughter was born and, um, you know, just after she was born, I wrote some, some really emotional songs yeah. about about her and I was really proud of them. And I I I would have loved to see them on this record. Unfortunately, they, you know, it, it, it didn't happen that way. The next record, you can have him on the next record. LP two, LP two is. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna have. I'm I'm gonna need like a, a an editor because otherwise, I feel like you know, every single song is gonna be about her. No, go for it, go <laughs> yeah. for it, man. I I found because I was kind of in a similar situation as you. I have a new record coming out in February. We're recording mm-hmm. now in mid October, and I had these songs pretty much done by the time COVID hit. But there was just like I needed to track a lot of it, but everything was demoed, and right. so every, and everything was written. You know, some people were really inspired by the downtime, and some people, you know, like some of our favorite songwriters, lost like went crazy, lost their mind. Sure, you know, like yeah, saves the day at beach slang and oh my goodness, uh, some you know like Ryan Adams, you know, gave themselves just enough rope to figuratively yeah. hang themselves publicly you know yes. like so yes. everybody kind of had this these songwriters had these weird reactions to it and then i, I noticed that I, I was like should i be writing mm-hmm. but i'm not inspired to write mm-hmm. and the happy medium that i found was when it came to my guitar work and you have a lot of beautiful really well done guitar work on this record thank you which i should say is called along the dark edges of everything mm-hmm. And because it was a long title, I had to write it down because I knew I'd forget. <laughs> but I, anyway, I felt like I came up with really great guitar parts for songs on this new Divided Heaven record. Mm-hmm. And because I had a baby on the way and because it was downtime of, downtime of COVID, I couldn't operate like I did before where I was just like, I've got time to figure it out and whatever's best. And we'll try all these options. It was like, no, is this idea good enough? And, and you go for it. I think it worked out to my benefit. Now, I'm not interviewing myself here in this podcast. We're interviewing you about your record, but there's a lot to this record. It's not just a simple solo singer songwriter record. There are moments of that, but those moments are are beautifully and delicately delicately balanced with these full band orchestrations that are quite grand. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So could you speak a little bit to where you were kind of, you're in the middle of a pandemic, you're a new Mm -hmm. dad, and you're trying to construct these songs now. Were you doing that before you went to the studio? Or were you doing that there? I was doing most of that before I went into the studio. Honestly, I went into the studio kind of expecting to lay down acoustic guitar, vocals, maybe some harmonica, and not much else. As I sat with the songs for a bit, as I had time to sit with the songs, um, uh, you know, my my engineer and I realized that, like, you know, this is this is a great opportunity for us to explore the limits of these songs. You know, the great thing was that there were no expectations. There right. was no there was no timeline. There was no deadline. It was just like, 
you know, I was just doing this for me. But did you finish um, the songs? Like, did you sit with them in that capacity where it was just your voice, just a guitar, maybe a harmonica here and there, and then you decided to add on top of it? Like, was the essentially a done yeah. record before you reached that conclusion? So, essentially, yes. The short answer is yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the equivalent of, of crossing a finish line in the recording studio, which for those that don't know, it's quite a thrilling experience just to have somebody say, nah, you got to run another marathon now. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it, it seems kind of insane thinking back that like, you know, cause I, th uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I think we knocked out, um, you know, uh, acoustic guitar and vocals in a very short amount of time, like mm -hmm. all 12 songs wrapped up very quickly. I remember going back into the studio for another session. I don't know, maybe to do harmonica or something. And uh, my engineer, Ryan Stack, was like, hey, I played drums on some of these songs, like just because I felt like it. Do you want to do you want to like hear what it sounds like? And so <laughs> he so so he played it he played a few tracks for me one of which was uh a song called uh black sheep wine mm -hmm. and um so black sheep wine has it, it's always been it's always had a, a special place in my heart it's it's probably my favorite song on the record uh that was one song where i was like this song is 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 a uh is a sparse, low-key, hushed, what? very delicate, um, you know, singer-songwriter song. And then I hear these drums, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And but I was just like, it. at first it almost felt like, um, what's the word? <laughs> I don't want to say abomination, <laughs> but like it almost hit me in that way because it was like so jarring but uh, abomination was not the right word at all because like after after you know a couple seconds of you know the, that that jarring feeling i was like oh my goodness he single-handedly turned this into a completely different song and now it's hard to imagine that song without drums exactly exactly yeah and he was he was even the one who um uh while we were tracking he was like, you know what? Maybe we could throw a lead in here, and it was it was kind of a similar response from me. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I I pulled out an electric guitar, and I think within a matter of like five minutes, we had the lead that features in in like the repeating refrain. Yeah, and you know, my favorite song on the record, and and these are it, it's it's one of my favorite parts on the record. That that's that incredible, man. That's really incredible, and that's a credit to yeah. it, it, his name is uh, Ryan Stack. Is that yes. the engineer, producer, and player? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely, a credit to him. This this was definitely uh, a joint uh, effort um, between the two of us. You know, I I, yeah. I came there. Uh, I came to him with these songs and um, he really acted as a, as a co-producer and he, he really saw um, 
saw things saw things in these songs that I didn't. He he saw directions that we could go that I, that I didn't see, and uh, so yeah, he 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 was a huge a huge huge contributor. Yeah, for sure. There was a, a line that I really liked because it used my favorite one of my favorite words, which is detente. I want to get lost in the white capped mountains in sure. simple awe. Tear the sleeve that bears the cross, declare my own detente. Mm-hmm. So when I say, are you trying to find peace in this project or in these songs or in this record or in this journey, mm-hmm. is that a fair question or do you take the same songwriting approach, whether you're putting something together for the band as you're putting something together for a solo record? No, I think you're absolutely right. I I, I think... I think this project is definitely about finding peace, about finding you know a little bit of comfort. Whereas the songs that I that I I bring to choke up, I don't know, just you know the nature of that band, the 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 genre that we operate in, it allows me to I don't know, kind of be maybe a little hyperbolic with my emotions and really like dig in to those more aggressive feelings. But yeah, with this solo project, it, it it felt more about like dialing back the bluster, dialing back the hyperbole and, um, you know, dealing with some dark shit, some heavy shit, but also yeah. like um, trying to uh, be conscious of, of, uh, of the bright spots. Um, sure. So yeah, no, you're absolutely, you're, you're on the money for sure. Was it difficult for you in the vocal booth to record vocals the way you did on this record? God damn. Every time. Yes. When you say every time, I mean, it's always hard for you. I, I guess what I'm asking is, is it difficult to go from a, how you deliver your vocals either on stage mm-hmm. or in the vocal booth for choke up? than sure. you do for this record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I'll say, like, it's always tough for me to record vocals um, because I feel like I feel like I deliver my best vocals when I'm on stage at a live show. And it's really frustrating because, like, you know, being in the vocal booth, I, 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 I want to be able to recreate that, but it's, yeah. um, it's, it's tough when you're not, um, you know, playing in front of a, a crowd of folks. The songs on this on this solo record, um, man, I think we're I think we're even more challenging. Um, just because, like, you know, I've 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 spent what is it, twelve years uh, playing and with Choke Up and, and singing for for Choke Up, and I really haven't done a ton of solo stuff. And so my confidence in this type of singing was, was not there. Sure. Um, It's a lot different when you've got a wall of amplifiers behind you. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And I don't think people realize how hard it is, how difficult it is and how easily you can start to feel like you're sinking when you're standing by yourself in a vocal isolation booth, having to pour your heart out into a microphone and 
an engineer on the other side of the glass, you know, who, uh, in the moments, you know, is, is more concerned with how you're delivering it than necessarily yep. what you're saying. So it's this combination of dredging up this shit that you necessarily not don't necessarily want to think about, but also trying to deliver it so that you can appease somebody else on the other side of the room. Oh God, it's a, I've, it's I've a never, nightmare sometimes. <laughs> I've never heard the experience described so accurately. <laughs> um, because I've been I, I there. Don't. I know, and a lot of people have been there. And I think it's important to talk about it. Being a singer yeah. is uh, the best because we're clearly the most important people in any band <laughs> that we're in. But when it comes to the studio, it's really fucking. It's like everything that comes out of your mouth. Yeah. And because it's in in most cases, and especially in this case for your record, every piece of poetry that you put down pen to paper, you are now putting out into the world. Mm-hmm. is under the most intense microscope you know yes. it's it's not like that when when people are listening to it on their phones in the cup holder of their car you know it's like yeah. that when you're in the vocal booth so you just have to imagine that you someday you're going to be you know echoing out of a fucking prius cup holder yeah <laughs> i know i i try to i try to imagine those moments when, when i'm in the when i'm in the vocal booth but yeah no it it, it gets some um, I mean, you, you described it as like the sinking feeling, which I, I totally relate to. Um, and it's weird because like, you know, you, you, you do these vocal takes over and over and over again. And what was once like this really emotional, very personal, intimate, um, you know, couple of lines eventually turns into like, something totally different right and, it, right. and it, it, it messes with it messes with your head but yeah it's it, it can be tough man it can be really tough well it's a hell of a record you should be very proud and thank you uh you know but ryan who worked with you in the studio and on the record should be proud and and as should harley for you know fronting, oh, fronting the time and the equity to, to put this out yes so. yes 100 well, percent. yeah well congratulations thanks for coming on the podcast man it was great to talk to you thank you thank you so much for having me really appreciate it with Sam Johnson. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Please be sure to check out our sponsors. Great gift idea. Get your Christmas shopping done early. Newwave.co slash Berman. N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N. That saves you 10%. And it helps you. It helps them. It helps me. New Divided Heaven single coming very soon. Be sure to check out All the Heels, my wrestling podcast, which is having its last episode next week. And thanks, as always, for your support. All right, let's get it.